February 3rd, 2023, it's a Watford Pedro show. Over zijn tegenwoordige groep is John Coltrane bijzonder enthousiast. Yeah, well, they, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are doing beautifully, you know, and uh, it's just a natural thing with them. They're, they're just growing into it, and uh, it's very spontaneous, you know. I try to uh, only give a skeleton, a uh, framework for a song, and uh, from then on, It's up to them to create their own parts to it. And that way it's much better, you know. The young Howard Phillips Lovecraft was alone on the beach. The waves of Narragansett Bay breathed in and out. The stars burned with a terrible heat. And he was alone in the darkness. Or was he? He felt something was looking down at him, gazing down upon him. Howard squinted at the dark sky and saw that the swimming, twisting stars were swirling around a central point as if doomed to go down a cosmic drain. The center of the drain was blackening and opening wider. It's like a whirlpool one could fall into. And after all, there's no up or down in space. Wasn't he, at that moment, in space? He was standing on a gigantic, whirling, wet rock spinning through the void. Every direction was up in space, really, and every direction was down. He could easily fall headfirst into that black-throated whirlpool. The hole in the stars gazed back at him. It was as if... The dark circle within the spiraling vortices was the pupil of an eye. And what looked at him with that eye was a thing that had no definite shape. It shaped itself moment by moment with its own impulses, its chaotic grasping at the cosmos, clutching at it, searching for something to feed upon. It was form and it was chaos all at once. It was anarchic and it was a law unto itself. It was no supernatural thing. It was itself some bent, distorted creation of the cosmos, fled to its outer boundaries. It hated the more structured cosmos. Howard could feel it hating. It hated it because the structured universe threatened to encompass and absorb it. It would be absorbed by cosmic order eventually, just as the chaotic ignition within a star surrendered its energies to gravitation and the laws of physics, to the cosmic matrix that appropriated its power and lavished it upon the Earth as sunlight, and sunlight generated life. Oh, what a vile thing was life as men thought of it, so said the being who gazed at Howard. It spoke wordlessly. It spoke with a shattering thought. It wishes to convince me, Howard thought. It wishes to make me its agent in the world. And he wondered how many such agents of malignant chaos did this lawless mind scatter within the human world. Pedro Show, happy Friday.
We started off with John Coltrane talking to Michael DeRoyter about working with his quartet, Mr. Coltrane's quartet, not Mr. Re uh, DeRoyter's, on December 1st, 1962. And then we had Cloud Over Jupiter with I and the Cosmic Whirlpool. And because of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention, I got with me all the way from Vancouver, Washington State, people. Not Canada, not that one. And then from Wisconsin Rapids in Wisconsin, John and Jerry. Welcome aboard, man. Thank and you. John Shirley, Thanks Jerry for having us. And, and uh, I guess Jerry, it's been decided Jerry's going to go first. So, Jerry, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Wow. Okay. Well, when I was 10 years old, uh, my older brother talked my mother into buying a K bass guitar for Christmas. And uh, I have to say that when I was 10 years old, I really wanted that hockey game that I could play on. And when I opened up Christmas morning there and I found a bass guitar instead, I was really disappointed. Man, was I disappointed. I wanted that hockey game. You mean your earliest musical recollection was getting bummed out by giving a bass? <laughs> That's right. You didn't have because a lot of cats on the show, you know, that hey, I was riding around in my dad's car and I heard this, and but yours is like getting bummed by a bass gift. That is a first. <laughs> Twenty-one years, seven months. Ironically, Jerry, you are the man. Yeah, ironically. Well, fuck, not ironically. Actually, John, because in the old days, bass is where you put your retarded friend. It was, you know, it's like right field in Little League. <laughs> in some of my bands, it's still the same. <laughs> well, Rita Rock, surely, because I don't know all that hierarchy shit. Anyway, Jerry, continue yeah. on. This pad you grew up in, was there any musical instruments besides when that bass arrived? Uh, my older brother played a saxophone in the high school uh, orchestra, band, whatever, and uh, he had a he had a musical background. He uh, sang in the choir and also played clarinet. And he kind of guided me. He wanted me to be a musician like he was. And for some reason, he picked bass guitar. I have no clue why. But but uh, I still have that K bass, by the way, too. All right. Some yeah, some fifty years later, I still have it. And I remember, uh, Kay made a uh, Kenny Burrell model guitar, the big ass headstock. Does it have a big fancy headstock? No, it doesn't. It's oh, okay. just a, it's just a single pickup little slab with a with actually it doesn't even say K on the headstock. Okay, okay. Well, keep it was it just because, a little cheap model. That's all right. You know, sometimes it ain't the bones. It's the intent. Now, let's talk about you in grade school. Were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? No, no, I wasn't. Uh, I tried uh, I tried band in, in uh, probably like around eighth grade or something like that, and I played trombone for a while. But well, That's bass, Cliff. I, yeah, yeah, but I was, I was just too much of a rebel, and I really wanted to play guitar by that point. By the time I was like 13 years old, I was already playing and playing in bands and stuff. Well, so how did you get your first guitar? That well, that bass was my first. Oh, oh no, it, they are different. I mean, some people say four string guitar for a bass, but me, four string drum set. <laughs> I know what you mean. You know what I mean? They're not four string guitar. Yeah, because here's here's my test. 
I'm, I'm glad you chimed in, John, because you you know a Fender 6, right? A baritone guitar. It's tuned down an octave just like a bass guitar, but it ain't got the punch because of them skinny strings. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Chose to go. I, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I don't want to divert you from your storytelling. What about what was the first record you bought with your own money, Jerry? Oh, with my own money. Oh, boy. Yeah, because when, you when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money. So I'm curious about what you would spend it on. Well, my brother, my older brother, the same older brother, brought home, uh, in 1967, he brought home Jimi Hendrix, first album. Uh, later, he brought home Blind Faith. And, um, and then probably my first record that I probably bought with my own money was the first Emerson, Lake, and Palmer album. Okay. I think that's what it's called. It's eponymous, right? And, and then yeah. what, what was the first gig you saw, Jerry? Oh, wow. Uh, some high school band. Um, At high school? Yeah, there was a high school band that played. They were older cats that got hired to do a high school dance. And and I remember the, the drummer uh, played a double bass drum and was just, you know, had long hair and everything and looked really cool. And, and, uh, you know, I wanted to aspire to that, but I wanted to play bass guitar. Okay. Instead. And, you know, now I'm not talking about after school graduating, but after school, like in the afternoon, basement band, garage band, bedroom band. Oh, yeah. You got into that. Okay, yeah. tell me about that. Me and a, me and a buddy, we, uh, we always wanted to play in a band, and we would jam all the time. We were just, we would just jam. We didn't, we didn't sit down and really learn songs note for note or anything like that. We didn't drive ourselves crazy trying to figure out what the, what the artist was doing. We just jammed. What about composition, like creating your own material? Oh yeah. We, we were writing, we were writing stuff, you know, little Mickey Mouse songs back then too. You know, like when I, when I was like 13, 14, 15 years old with my neighborhood friend and, and uh, you know, we, we had a band that we played a couple little things for local kids, well, you know. Let, let me ask you, did this band have a name? Oh man. You know, I don't I don't really know Can what you that remember? band was okay. called. It don't back matter. Then. It's Watt from Pedro show. There's no hard questions, there's no wrong answers. So <laughs> So let me ask you this 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 name forgotten band. Do you remember the first gig? Oh yeah, we played. Uh, it was actually uh, it was actually a fundraiser for somebody who was running for president, and it was 1972. And um, George McGovern. Well, it wasn't him. It was it was, <laughs> it, was the other it, it was actually it was it was, was before the, the you know before the primary, so. But it was a Democratic candidate. I just don't remember his name. Okay. Uh, it's not important. Was the gig a success? That's what's important to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was It was wild. We had about six or seven members in the band, and everybody was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Ah, so it was more than just you and your buddy. You had a, you guys had expanded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were, well, there were some people who just wanted to get in on the scene, you know, they wanted to be a part of it all because we were playing this gig and, and, uh, and we said, sure, what can you play? And they said, well, I got a, 
I got a cowbell. Yeah, Alabama uh, sausage whistle. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but we were playing. We were playing stuff like uh, uh, Grand Funk and. Oh, so you did copy songs? Because see, in yeah, the seventies, that's all me and D. Everybody we knew, no one wrote their own songs. Everybody tried to copy stuff off records when I was teenage. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thirteen in nineteen seventy, so my whole uh, teen years is the seventies. Sure. So there was no culture for writing your own songs. That's why I always ask about that question, because seeing when the movement came, like nowadays you can ask a young person, they're writing songs right now, no problem. But, man, we didn't have that shit in the 70s. You know, arena rock was fucked up mentality. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to blame others for our shortcomings, but I'm always curious. I'm way motivated by people who start writing songs early. So so, so glad about that gig. Uh uh, what what about how long does this band last, Jerry? It, it was just uh, it was really short lived, but somewhere around um, probably when I was getting closer to uh, well, I, I had to be eighteen because that was the bar age. So when I was eighteen, I was in a band called Felix, and we played a few bar gigs. I remember, and. Um, and then shortly after that, I started the, uh, well, me and my my neighborhood buddy, we started a band called Zany Star Blaster. And we were all, Better it name. was all, but you know, Felix, most, actually, most Felix, original. Felix was at your band, right? You joined Felix. But then this, this right. the star uh, band you actually created. That's happening. Yep. And uh, how'd that turn out? Well, we uh, we ended up, touring about seven states in the Midwest over about a two and a half year period. And we played uh, 150 to 200 shows a year. That's happening. In that, in that time. Yeah, that's a lot of gigs. Yep. We, we had an agent, a couple of agents out of the Fox Valley area here in Wisconsin. And, uh, and they booked us and, and we were doing uh, week long gigs that, you know, <laughs> They sent us all over the place, North Dakota, South Dakota, everywhere ah, in the Midwest. Yeah, planes. Yeah, yeah. Big drives. Okay, look, you guys gave me uh, the Shirley King, right? The name you guys is collab. Poison Wheel. I want to play that. It's, it's a, a poisoned wheel. wheel. A howl to a growl to a wistful mutter. Everybody slips in a tub of butter. I live inside a cat food can. The fly with me says, ain't life grand. It's a poisoned wheel. It's a poisoned wheel. Crushed under a heel. And then a poisoned wheel. A poisoned wheel. A link and a promise. And a sad little wink. It's always sooner than everyone thinks. A glare and a stare at a dusty floor. It's always less than a little more. It's a poisoned wheel. It's a poisoned wheel. Crushed under a heel. And then a poisoned wheel. A poisoned wheel. A cynical shrug. Look for a drink. The rivers turn the color pink. 
The city fries a cranked up oven. Live your life without enough loving. It's a poisoned wheel. It's a poisoned wheel. Crushed under a heel. And then a poisoned wheel. Oh, 
star feels unreleased, taut in his neon cage. The one who whispers without words suggests another stage. The thrill of hanging, the thrill of dangling at the very edge of death. So very close, so very near, near to your final breath. He's sucked into the inky pool before the noose is loosed. Then his life just drains away. Oh, another strangled fool. The comedian decides he shouldn't take another shot. Another speedball raging, the lightning fairly caught. The whisper without words insists on just one more hit. Just one more, not so much. Oh, man, you'll be so lit. And when his lungs fill up with blood, he sees the Omega sign. As the end comes with a thud, he hears the last punchline. And the gambler, he throws the dice, a half million on one toss. He knows now that he should quit, losing big's too big a cost. But then the whisper comes, a hiss right from the air, and suddenly he takes the leap and bets it all right there. He loses all, yes, everything, and drifts up to his room. Should he use the gun beside his bag? A sweep with a new broom. The wordless whisper hisses, suggests without a sound. Hisses softly in his ear. True hope cannot be found. And people in the parking lot, counting money they'll lay down, scarcely notice that final shot. That quick and lonesome sound. The whisperer needs no words to hiss your life apart. He can't be seen, he's never heard, but he's with you from the start. Heed him if you must, my friend, you'll hear him in your heart. Laughing, clearly laughing, joyful in his art. Pedro Show, that chunk of music star with Shirley King doing Poison Wheel. Then St. Abdullah and Jason Nazary featured Nappy Napa. He's from Model Home. With Mirror of Infinity. Network Glass and Jane, Jason Krumer with two prerequisite. And eye rolls after that. Trails. Uh, had Zoe on the show last episode. Eye rolls. Uh, Twig Harper, after that, uh, he moved, but he was uh, had a warehouse in Balmar that was a happening scene, uh, Zoe was telling me. Artificial Mass for Self-Generating Christ. Uni and the Urchins, after that, with Simulator. Uni, right? That's a Japanese word for the sea urchin eggs. You get it. 
Anthony Perogue with 20th Century Perogue, great guitar man. He's got a band with the rhythm section of Fugazi these days. Aesthetics. Paul Sears after that in Praise of Folly. I love that. And then finally, Fred Hodgson with John Shirley and Jerry King doing From the Jazz Comp, which is where it's from. <laughs> Actually, Zaj, Z-Z-A-G, people. And now, I need your uh, story, John, your, your journey through music. So will you please bring your earliest musical recollection, please? Uh, the first time it really made an impact on me was when I was a tiny kid and I heard uh, Elvis on uh, Ed Sullivan. And um, everybody in, was laughing at me because I was like carried away by the whole sound of it. And I was dancing around. I was just this little tot, you know. And uh, I, I tried for, for years afterwards as a, little, as a little boy. I went around singing Elvis songs, trying to do his voice. See, this piping little kid, you know about six trying to sing like Elvis. And then uh, in the, in the 60s, uh, you know, I listened to Beatles and, and, uh, and psychedelic stuff caught me up. And then psychedelics themselves caught me. And that really, you know, enveloped me in something so that I became super receptive to, to electric rock. And, but okay, there okay. was very little music around me in my family. I'm, none of us, nobody played an instrument. The only live music I heard was in church a little bit. So I, I you know, uh, but I always had a yearn to be in a band since I was about seven years old. Well, that's beautiful, and, but John, uh, the question was your first musical recollection. <laughs> but you could tell well, me all that other stuff, too. That, that to, was, you know, like experience playing in a band? No. Is that what you mean? No, just anything musical, but it's first thing, right? First it thing. was the first thing. Was that Elvis? Yeah, what, yeah, I understand. I, and, that, and to I, I me, to God, I, it was like it blew my mind, my little mind. And no, no, I understand stable. that, and I could see how it'd be instrumental in forming your your attitudes towards music. Is beautiful. It, it actually was an organic, natural response, and I think it's beautiful. What, what what about at school? Did you were you in the choir, or the marching band, or shit like that? No. No. Okay. Uh, okay. No. I asked that I was, question. I was so alienated. In, no, you but, know, but I, I asked that question because a lot of schools got rid of their music and arts programs. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. why Flea started the Silver Lake Music uh, Conservatory of Music because he went back where he learned trumpet and found out they got rid of the program. So that's why I asked that question. Let me uh, ask you this: What I asked Jerry, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Was it Elvis Presley? Um. Uh, no, I think it was. Uh, we had Elvis Presley. My sister had all those. We had. I, I think it was um, uh, an album by Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, which I wanted because there was a, a girl who was naked except for whipped cream on the cover. Yeah, everybody knows that one. And okay. so that was. And so suddenly I liked Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, so I could have that picture because I was like eleven, and it was found. You know, there's a story behind the stimulating. Hits, there's a story behind the hit song on there. How Blaine talks about they don't know how to count in the song right, so he uses the fucking kick drum. Boom, 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 but that, yeah, because the guys couldn't get the fucking kick up. They couldn't get the pickup, not kick up, fucking what? Uh, and, and what about the first gig you saw, John? First gig was uh, Dave Clark Five, which toured for my little drummer town. man. My, yeah, my my little my bigger, my sister was was uh, required by my parents to uh, take me to see it, 
And uh, I thought they were great. They were a good band. But they and, were trippy, uh, right, for at those the time, days. That was like transformative to see this happen in person right there on the stage in front of me and at, at the uh, Salem Armory Auditorium. Okay, now having a drummer lead a band was very different too in those days. Yes. Right. Yeah, and, and he was at the center of it. And that brings, and it kind of focuses you on the, uh, you know, on the beat and on the percussive part. But they also did harmonies, you know, and they had these cunningly put together songs and they just owned the stage. Yeah. They were real pros. And I was very impressed, boy. I, I, very I'm really, impressed. And I'm, not long. I'm really yeah. bummed out on how drummers are treated. And, and they got, you know, by doing that, they kind of, you know, he's a musician just like anybody else, you know. Big mistake right. Minutemen made was having George Hurley in the back. In the last 20 years, I've had all my drummers front of stage. Because it's basically rhythm music. Why be in denial, I'm thinking. So what about, I'm going to ask you what I asked Jerry. The, not after school graduate, but in the afternoon. Did you get into the basement band, bedroom band, garage band thing? Not in, not in high school. Not until um, soon after high school I started doing that with punk rock bands. And how did it happen? Uh, you know... We were, me and my friends were part of a weird alternative street scene, and and it was kind of a a, a, a spinoff from glam, and all these girls were dressed like like girls who would hang out at glam things, you know, and 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 everybody's hero was Bowie, and um, I, that's and then, exactly uh, where uh, our our punk scene in Hollywood came from. It was mainly girls right, from glitter similar. and glam, yeah. Right. In fact, me and, and Dee Boo's first gig we saw was T-Rex. Oh, well, there you go. The great, great performance. 1973, we were 14 years old. But oh, a lot of wow. our punk, not before hardcore, 70s punk, it came from exactly what you're talking about, John. Yeah, and there was a street scene where people hanging around in the street um, because we didn't have any place else to go. And then somebody came and said, um, there's this little record shop that has imported records, and there's this thing called the Sex Pistols they're playing in the shop. You have to hear this. And uh, we went over there and listened to it, and it was very transformative for us. Um, and the, I, I had heard the Ramones, which also made a big impression on me, but the, the Sex Pistols uh, really blew me away. And the first thing they were playing was uh, that I heard that really affected me was No Fun, their cover of Iggy's No Fun. It ain't Iggy, and, it's um, Stooges. Ig would and, tell you, and, and, and you, you know that <laughs> you know song because you played on a, a yeah, yeah right? but John, I gotta tell you, Ig would say Stooges. He wouldn't say Iggy. Okay, all right, it was, yeah. it was the Stooges. Yeah, big difference. The passenger is Iggy, but no fun is Stooges. That's true. Very true. <laughs> I don't mean to correct you, though. Type. I don't. I don't mean to correct you. Now, when you guys started your band, what did you end up? What instrument you end up getting on? Uh, I was uh, good. I couldn't play anything except my vocal cords. That's an instrument. So, That's an instrument. Yeah, it, it became it, and eventually I learned to you sing. Know, three times. At first, I was just kind of. I, I was gotta just tell kind you, of three times. Quickly. Three times I saw Ema Sumac, and it's definitely an instrument. <laughs> that lady had like twelve <laughs> oh, octaves oh, yeah. going. She blew out one gig. She blew out the fucking PA nipples like wow. thumbs. You know, this lady oh, was I, intense. I don't know if you. Her husband wrote all the music, you know, this exotic princess kind of trip. But, man, could she sing. 
I've so, heard that, and it is powerful. Yeah, so this idea that the voice is just a voice, it's just as much an instrument as the bass or the drums, even guitar, in my book. Um, it's kind of a wind instrument, like you know, it's like a clarinet because there's this column of vibrating air in your throat. Absolutely. You have to, uh, and you have to use, you have to operate it like a clarinet player operates a column of vibrating That's vibrating right. air. That's right. That's right. And then if you even using words, you're working on another level of uh, expression. Right. I wrote. We, um, Here, we're we going to have to save it. We're going to have to save it. We're going to have to save it because we're at the end of the first hour of February 3rd, 2023 edition of Pedro Show. Special guests, John and Jerry from yeah Shirley King. Hold tight for hour two. February 3rd, 2023. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Mocking spoke the hidden thing. His pale hands divide the lobes of my brain. I paid a hundred in gold to be an hour insane. And for pleasure like a red, red symphony. All the while it makes a jest of me. And the sage remembers the hidden thing. When Mockin said, as says though he's dead, True evil is a rose that sings. True evil is a rose that sings. My flesh howls with microscopic lips. My nerves vibrate in cellular crypts, singing. Evil is a rose that sings. True evil is a rose that sings. No matter how bright falls the light across icy stone walls. No matter how warm the fire burns, still I feel it all. I feel the uncast shadow fall. Shadow And all is seen through a fog that rises from invisible seas. And the tempter comes, an hour past midnight, comes with hands stretched out to me, singing, True evil is a rose that sings. True evil is a rose that sings. He's glib, he's charming, like a travel agent for Babylon. His fingers are long and cool and white and very strong and very strong and very strong and very strong. For true evil is a rose that sings. Mocking spoke of the hidden thing. True evil is a rose that sings. True evil is a rose that sings.
His fingers are long and cool and white and very strong and very strong and very strong and very strong. For true evil is a rose that sings. Mocken spoke of the hidden thing. True evil is a rose that sings. True evil is a rose that sings. <laughs>
it on down when you drop your gown No longer frown, cause you're no longer bound Your spirit's sounding, leaping and bounding You feel it rounding the corner The former dormer is now unfolding The golden share is now rolling Lolling and tolling, doling and holy
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with Shirley King doing Evil as a Rose and Sings. Tom Verlaine after that. We just lost him last week. This is him and his solo stuff. Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. Live at Slim's. June 19th, 1990. Slim's up in the city. 11th Street, I think. Uh, Dave Newhouse after that with Pluck Windbag. That's <laughs> a great title. Pluck Windbag. Jerry and Michelle King. This is from the Zash Cop. Avalo for Derek. And then Ron Anderson, Strangulation. I've had Ron Anderson on the show. Great cat. And I got to collab with him, too, with uh, Al uh, Margolis, Chester, New York. Amy Denio after that, Untrapped. This is from the Zash uh, Cop. Uh, Shirley King, Pig Zipper. So, let me ask you about the first gig, because we didn't, we are out of time there, John. First gig you did with your, your guys. What, what was the band called, and what was it like? It was called Terror Wrist. Uh, wrist as in, like, on your arm. And uh, thought we were being cute. Terror Wrist. <laughs> and it was, uh, we had decided to create a little punk rock club in Portland, Oregon, for ourselves, and we, we didn't have any other way to hear it. So we made up our own club and we just rented a, uh, a hall from some bikers, actually, uh, that where they had, you know, they had their club and uh, they had a little stage and they and for like 40 bucks, we could have the place for the night. And it had even had a PA system. So uh, the uh, we uh, called it the Revenge Club and we and we made up a little um posters photocopied posters that we put up and some and kids came you know teenagers and young adults and and um uh my band played about seven songs of you know including um i want to be your dog and uh, but mostly uh, uh we did originals and and uh all the only one i remember the title of was our love is like a death camp <laughs> now, now I'm guessing, John. I'm guessing, but this is before the Satyricon. It was way before the Satyricon. It was the first punk club in Portland. It because I remember when the punk. Minutemen first came up and played Portland. That was the only club going. A guy named George ran right. the place. Yeah, right. I remember, and it was a. Uh, uh, I heard the Minutemen in Portland. I must have been there. You know who? You um, know who was there? That really impresses Greg Sage of the Wipers. Right. He recorded me and on uh, and my and my later band, Sado Nation. Uh, oh, I remember Sado Nation. I remember the, you guys. OK, I yeah, remember I remember I, I remember a four song. I remember a four song seven inch. Right. Remember what? Yes. That album of compilation. And yes. And that's he recorded that. Um, okay. And, uh, wow. He was in our scene. Yeah, we we played in the same gigs with he, him. He's and, been he's been living in Arizona for a lot of years now. But I know yes. he was early on in Portland. That was a great record. Is this real? We, we conked at Mike King, the guy who painted that cover. That's when it dawned on me. Hey, right. Mike we, King was in my first band. He was the bass player. He was snake, by this time, he was Snake Pit, or something like that, <laughs> or Cows from Hell, or something. He had a couple uh, yes, of things. Hell cows. The Hell, Hell cows. cows that's it. But this is when I figured out that that cover was actually windshield wipers. <laughs> I didn't <Yeah>. understand. <laughs> it was because it looked like some Mondrian, but it was beautiful and stuff. Uh, here, I want to play uh, more Shirley King, Puppet Dance. Uh-huh. 
come one, come all, right this way. That's it. Right here. Right through here, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone is welcome. Oh, hey there, little man. Hey there, little girl. Come on into the puppet theater. Give it a Wall Street whirl. There's a strange and twitchy dance. <laughs> It's going on right over there. Well, ain't they <laughs> ever so funny with them strings tied up in their hair? They're dancing, dancing, dancing a jig. If you can do the dance too, just pay up. All of your money. It's the very first rule. As the puppeteers leer and tug those prettiest strings. Hey, hey, my little man. Everybody will dance and sing. And hey there, my little lady. Do the puppet. Soon understand. And hey there, sister lady, just step on the stage. Don't you fret as they tie the strings. It's the easiest thing. We all just play along. Yes, just play along. And you play along too, saxophone.
pulling us down. Pulling us both down to the center of the earth. But there's a way. There's a way. There's a great weight pulling on me. Yes, upon you and me both. down to this old world The darkness keeps us close Astronauts fly as high as they can Radiation cooks their earthly bones Their instruments Then it's drawn to the hungry moon and realizes its fate. Only those who've made a mighty soul, vibrating a thousand times a second, will escape the pull of the hungry moon, will be welcomed to the solar level, where the subtle beings dance to the music of the sun.
Music of the Sun. Watch for Pedro Show. Start that chunk of music off with Shirley King doing puppet dance. Then Mole Omen out of Baltimore with Here. Orthodox out of Seville, uh, Spain. Ambedro. Medicine Singers. Sanctuary. Uh, Ray Shin with Tower. Conveyor. Windswept Lot. And then finally Shirley King with Gravity Well. Okay. How did you meet Jerry, John? Jerry, how'd you meet John? We've never met in person. Well, not in person, but you met somehow because you collabed. Well, my recollection is that after my first album was released, The Cloud Over Jupiter, uh, Fifth Mass from the Sun, after that was released, I, um, I sent... I asked. I just sent John an email and asked him if he wanted to hear it. But how did you and know how to send it to John? How did you meet him? Or through Facebook? Okay, the fake look connect. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Airbrush it up, people. Airbrush it up. <laughs> but no. Okay, so you just unsolicited say, "Hey, you want to hear this?" Yeah, and he said sure. So I so I sent him a copy in the mail. Okay. And then after he got it, you know, we, we exchanged a couple emails back and forth. And and I had a song in mind for him because I, I had heard his voice and I and I had a song in mind. And that song ended up being uh, a song off the Spaceship Landing in the Cemetery album. It's Tippy called Top, it's called Tippy Top. Oh, Tippy Top. That's right. Yeah. And I and I wrote the words for it. But um you know, I asked him to sing it, and and um, so let, let me get this straight, Jerry. You knew of John, but John didn't know of you. Right. Well, I, you know, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to make like some kind of competition or anything, but I'm just trying to figure no. it out in my mind because I wasn't there. No, no. I mean, I mean, I, I'm. I was basically unknown. John didn't know anything about me, and I, I was just really getting started with this whole recording thing. Um, see, I had played in cover bands up until uh, like around 2010, and I just finally said I had enough of it. And I, <laughs> and I, and I went out and I bought some recording gear, and I decided I was going to start writing my own stuff. I love and, it. I love it. And I, I, you know, I just got fed up with uh, cover bands. Yeah. And so, uh, and was beating my head against the wall, you know, basically. So anyway, I, I bought my, I bought my recording gear and I recorded a song that I had written and I sent it around to my friends and stuff. And they said, oh, this is really good. You know, you should do some more, you know. So I wrote another tune and that song ended up being on the first Cloud Over Jupiter album. It was called That Red Guitar. And, well, the, the, way, the way it went was I had a dream, and I dreamt that Jimi Hendrix came back to Earth, but he was only here for one day. And I asked him what he was going to do, and he says, I just want to play guitar. And so I gave him my red Stratocaster and he jammed on it all day. And the sun started going down and he said, I got to go back now. I'm going to have to leave. And, and that was, you know, then I woke up 
And that was my dream. And I was so inspired by that. I wrote these words down right away and uh, wrote the lyrics for the song. And the song became That Red Guitar. And so I recorded all the music for it and everything. And I, and I just had a drum machine on it. And I was moseying around on Facebook looking at people and all this kind of stuff. And I came across this guy, Pete Thompson. Pete Thompson was the drummer for Robin Trower in the 80s. And I thought, what the hell? So I sent him a friend request. And he responded back and accepted me as a friend. And I thought, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I sent him my song, That Red Guitar. And I said, give a listen whenever you can. You know, let me know what you think about it. And he wrote back right away and he said, he said, yeah, I'm pretty busy. I'll, I'll listen to it in a couple of weeks or so and I'll get back to you. Well, it was 10 minutes later, he wrote back and he said, holy shit, this is really good. He said, you want me to drum on it? I know, the, I know that you have a drum machine on there, he said. He says, so would you like to have some real drums on there? And I said, yeah. And next thing you know, he recorded drums for that song. You know, that's beautiful. I love when a music cat does that for another music cat. You know, it's just, there's no yeah. righteous, beautiful thing you can do, you know. Instead of trying to, like, con somebody or something, just to put out your expression to go with their expression. That's beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So so that so that was that. And, you know, then I just started recording more and more songs, and I ended up having an album's worth of material. And bit the bullet and spent the money and had the CD made. And then I just started throwing it around and asking people if they wanted to hear it and just really giving them away for nothing was what it amounted to a lot of them. Yeah. Um, Look, I'm going to have to stop you there, Jerry, because we're at the end of the second hour, February 3rd, oh, okay. 2023 edition. Watt Pedro show special guest, John and Jerry. Hold tight for hour three. February 3rd, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
Sa 
To the cruelly obscene, we are becoming demonic machines. Machines, uh, demons who eat their way through the biospheric skin of the earth, demons who swarm like locusts, 
despoiling the paradise of our birth. We form the demons inside, imprint by imprint, and etching at a time. Day by angry, fearful day, decisions coated in grime. We are becoming demonic machines. show started that chunk well started the third hour off with shirley king doing high then tom dill with the blackbird bosa he's been on the show he's an incredible music cat a lot of trumpet right and electronics trippy stuff elliot sharp after that with bale de sombras ginza street lights atsuko kamara crane with ever being there cloud over jupiter that's what you're talking about jerry demonic machines Okay, so I wanted to know what the difference was between Cloud Over Jupiter and Shirley King. So Cloud of J- Over Jupiter was way before Jerry King. 
I mean, Shirley King. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. So that, it was kind of a man alone, and then you asked people to join, uh, come on board for Cloud Over Jupiter. But what about Shirley King? How does that happen? Well, after I had that first album done, I sent it over to John and uh, just asked him if he wanted to hear it, and he said he really liked it. And, you know, the, the thing about the, the music is that if you listen to that first album by Cloud Over Jupiter, there's a song on there called Black 43, and it's got the horror element in it. It's, you know, um, scary, suspenseful material. And I knew that John was a horror writer, and... Uh, I didn't and, know that. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, that's great. Well, how, how would you describe yourself, John, as far as your writing goes? I just write in whatever genre the uh, the story wants to be. Whatever my, you know, if I have something I want to say, I think what what genre would express what I want to say best. It's okay. This one requires horror, and this one requires science fiction, and this one is just like a suspense thriller sort of thing. Oh, yeah, and we're and talking. Are we talking music or literature or both? Both. Okay. Both, because that's what attracted me to John, and and I knew that he was a legendary writer already and and that you know i i assumed that he was more of a horror writer or suspense writer and that's what i wanted to capture in the music that i was composing uh-huh. i wanted i wanted to catch that vibe and and so i thought he might be interested in what i had to offer and so i sent it over to him and uh he liked it and you know then we through a series of emails, we decided we were going to start doing a few songs together and just see where it went. And and I always wanted to have the, the suspense and the horror factor built into everything as much as I possibly could. Um, and, of course, John is a master of words when it comes to that kind of stuff, and his voice is great. It, there's nobody else that could sing that kind of stuff, I don't think. Um, he's He excels at everything that I throw at him and uh, it's, it's just great. It's, it's a good partnership. Well, I got a couple more clouds over Jupiter tunes that you flowed me. I want to play now.
open my eyes and I find that it's still dark. It's it's dark everywhere and it's daytime. Six kinds of darkness spilling down over me. Six kinds of darkness sticky with energy. The darkness of the Arctic two months into the night. The darkness of the eclipse forgetting of all light. With its own shade Six kinds of darkness A path in a sunless glade Behind your closed eyelids Where shapes form in the black Underneath the blindfold The blind boy's cul-de-sac
Live from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Started a chunk off with Cloud Over Jupiter doing In Stormland. Then uh, Mio Clono with Retorn. Retorn. That's it. It's trippy. Mike Eckstein after that with Dusty Carpet Blues. And finally Cloud Over Jupiter with Six Kinds of Darkness. Okay, so the M.O. of Shirley King is... Jerry, you send the music over to John, and uh, what, John, you you get a feel for it and and develop a, a narrative uh, uh, with uh, words and spiel, and then you deliver yes. it with uh, vocal expression. Yeah, uh, in in Stormland, for example, uh, uh, I had been, uh, you know, I'd written a novel called Stormland, and that's my most recent science fiction novel, and. I was, it was in my head still, you know, it was, it's about a place that's permanent storms all the time, 24, seven, 365 days a year. And, uh, like the red spot it, on Jupiter, right? Like the red spot on Jupiter, in fact, is an analogy I used. Ah. And, and, uh, but this was in Charleston <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's around, and there's not much left of the town. Anyway, uh, um, it's, it's about our collision with extreme weather and climate change. Yeah. Uh, and and a kind of a metaphor about what how it will affect uh, people um, on the ground, you know. Uh, we gotta as, reap. And, you know, we gotta reap what we sow. So sell. that's in the that's in the song too, is what I'm saying. I, okay. The song is all about that. We gotta reap what we sow. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, karma's a bank account. We're either making deposits or withdrawals. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think we're overdrawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to really work the metaphor, huh? look. Yeah. Uh, okay, so interesting. D- d- does it ever go back again? Like, does Jerry say, "You know what? You didn't get it," or every time you you hit it right on the mark, or what? Well, I I do seem to be able to hear the uh, the right places to sing in these things that he sends me, and then sometimes you know lyrics come to me that have been sort of some seed of them have been in the back of my mind. And then I, I hear the song and one of those seeds kind of, kind of, uh, you know, bursts into, uh, and growth there. And, and, and it, and it, um, uh, connects with the, I mean, I, I was in a lot of bands and wrote a lot of lyrics. I write lyrics for the blue oyster cult too. I've written, uh, like 25, sets of lyrics that they've recorded you're in company with richard Meltzer. yes it's kind of <laughs> except he he had a big hit with them that was a big difference he, he was in there he was in there yeah, but he had songs like she's as beautiful as a foot stuff like that <laughs> yeah you gotta love that one she's oh i love it i love it her face changing now a guernsey cow <laughs> yeah it, it, they always kept a sense i think of they went to college together some of them Yes, that was the connect. Yeah, how how what was your connect? How did you meet them guys? I uh, just through mutual friends and uh, and I was their fan since I saw them. Uh, I happened to be in New York in, in like 1972, and I saw them play a, a free gig at Central Park, and I was blown away by it. I I thought these guys stand right out. Yeah, we they, liked them a lot uh, too. There was nobody who sounded like them. And I, and I sought out their first album and I've been hooked ever since. I really like the second one, Tyranny Mutation. 
the first one's kind oh, of spacey, yes. recorded kind of spacey. And you played, you played a, uh, on I know both. Of, I, well, I know both. Uh, I know both the Bouchard brothers. Oh, me and too. I've met, I've yeah, met, I've met Eric Blue and stuff. And I got to exact, actually got to play the Red and the Black once with him in Beverly Hills. He, him and Buck Darman had me come wow, up on stage. Cool. I didn't know how little they were. <laughs> Firehost like, has a great version of the Red and the Black. Yeah, well, me and D. Boom have been playing that since we were 13. We owed that band a lot. We learned a lot from the BOC guys. Right. So, so did Metallica, by the way. Did they? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I think a lot of cats, because BOC's in a weird period. They ain't the movement yet, you know, except for Stooges and Cat Beefheart. But but you know what I mean? They're kind of trippy. They're kind of laying out the work for the movement in a way. You know, it's okay to be kind of strange. Yes, they were very yes, you could be literary, you could be yeah. poetic, you know, but also you didn't have to be pretty poetic. You didn't have to be pretty, it could be dark poetic. Yeah, right, 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 right. Well, Jim speaking Jim, of, Jim Morrison speaking of, sometimes, uh, right? True sailing is lost, admirals and shareholders and all that kind. Yeah, speaking of what, Jerry? Speaking of Blue Oyster Cult, uh, Richie Castellano was on my first. Okay, he's Duplin. the guy. He's their main music guy. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the, and the, he's he just recorded uh, another song with me that's going to be on the next Cloud Over Jupiter album. Wow. Uh, if I if I can ever get it done. Small, and, well, uh, I'm going to ask you guys because we're almost out of time here, but it's, it's a small world. Let me say the way all these connects are, man. Greg Sage and me and John. All right. right. D Boone going through the stage. There at the satirica. I swear George looked like fucking Carlos Santana <laughs> in a wife beater shirt and that curly hair. Yeah. Uh, l l <laughs> let me ask you, what are the next, is the next plan a Shirley King proj or is it a Cloud Over Jupiter proj for you guys both to collab on? Um, you know, it's, that's right now we're just kind of, kind of concentrating the album Escape from Gravity, which you've been playing some cuts from, but yeah, uh, we're, we're, we are uh, talking about another album, uh, and maybe, maybe take one that takes like a compilation from the first three we did. Okay. And, and some new cuts. Okay. Okay. But is it going to be Cloud Over Jupiter or is it going to be Shirley King? What do you think, Jerry? Shirley King. Okay. Okay. So because kind of Cloud Over Jupiter was like, uh, Jerry, you're kind of prod, and now you guys have dovetailed into a true collab. Right. Yeah. Okay. I I think you know John said that. You know, bringing back a couple songs from the first couple albums, I think maybe what we'll do is we'll do some alternative mixes of them. Great, but I'm and, I'm really interested in the next phase too. So when you guys get this album, even with the remixes and re whatever done. Will you guys both come back on the show and we can play it and talk about it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm I can't there. wait. I can't wait. Thank you so much, both of you, for being aboard. I love what you're doing. Keep on keeping on, please. People, it's been the February 3rd, 2023 edition of Wap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.